As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The race is on and Alfa Romeo is very much part of it with the Ferrari engine C39 already having run at Fiorano. We've seen limited images of the car released from that promotional day, so we can at least draw some provisional conclusions on a car the Sauber run team will be hoping can improve on last year's 8th overall. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me is Scott Mitchell, with Gary Anderson also appearing to issue his technical verdict. Scott Mitchell, this is a bit like the the reverse of the Renault event you went to. Renault had a season launch, but no car. Alfa Romeo hasn't had a launch, but does have a car, and it moves. Yeah, exactly. Uh, It's it's slightly slightly odd, but this has been one of those um, slightly odd launch seasons, I think. You know, just another example is... Mercedes started launch week by revealing their livery and then ended launch week by actually revealing their car. Um, so, yeah, a few teams have gone for, for, for different approaches. Alpha did this last year, if you remember. The the car broke cover in a, in a camouflage livery, a shakedown, which is exactly the same as what uh, what they've done for this year with its um, with its uh, cool little sort of snakeskin interim livery, which obviously is a sort of half-baked camouflage attempt. But, but it's just quite a nice little extra thing that you know no one else is doing it are they so i, I quite like it yeah and they, they kind of snuck it out on a on a busy day it was on uh it was on friday wasn't it it came out between the mercedes and the alpha tari which is why we've only got to it now but we didn't want to neglect alfa romeo which is why we're, we're doing this uh this look at the team so quite low key for them it's a team in a funny situation isn't it because last year it's a bit of a cure it's egg of a season in that it started very well trailed off a bit they did have that really strong weekend at Interlagos where yes it was an event for a race but that the car was pretty pretty quick there so it's quite hard to know what to make of Alpha because they they sort of feel like they should be an upwardly mobile team but they didn't ultimately really go anywhere last year. When we actually see this C39 properly launched um, obviously I'm expecting a really similar livery to last year but I need to see some proper signs that the, the C39's got a bit more ambition about it because this is a team that fundamentally has a lot of potential. I mean, Ed, I know you were 
you you've always been a Salba fan, haven't you? You 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 big big fan of that team and what they've been able to accomplish. And we know they've got a really really talented group of people there. But the, the the problem is that they've obviously always been held back in terms of finances to actually realise that. And that's what this Alpha Alpha partnership is meant to be about. Since they've had their new ownership, the things have become much more stable at the team and, and Alpha was a, was a significant step forward in that, bringing that famous name uh, back, to the, back to Formula 1. But last year was a bit hit and miss and they were good at the start of the season and, and picked up some decent points. But... They, they seem to lose their way on development. The team was always sort of denied whether that is actually the case because they still had good weekends at the end of the season as well. But the fact is, if they hadn't had that windfall of points in uh, in uh, in Brazil with the with the freaky race that happened there, I think it would have been a really really bad season for for Alpha. They were it was it was lucky that they that they got those results. And obviously, they did well to to get the points on the board and, and execute that weekend as well as they did, but. Without that bit of fortune, it's a big step back from the previous year, I think. So what I need to see from the C39, going back to my my original point, is evidence that there is clear growth. Because the teams that had a disappointing 2019 have got more to find in in 2020. And while every car is going to be an evolution, because 2021 is going to be the big change, the C39 is where you need to see a bit more evidence that this car and this team is going to to make that step forward that that they really should be making. Yes, well, Frederick Vasseur, the team principal, said they're still a young team because they're rebuilding, should we say, after some difficult financial times in in the past, which is, I guess, fair to a point. But it, it's difficult when you see those kind of backward seasons where they start strongly and then trail off because you'd want to see the opposite for a team that's really on the rise, should we say. So, yeah, a step forward in detail, etc., of the car will be will be quite important if that, that team's going to deliver on, on, on its potential. But it's it's such a congested mid-pack, and right now you can make a case for Alfa Romeo being anything from a contender for fourth down to to tenth place, really. So it's it's going to be ferociously difficult for them this season. I think it's it's uh, you sort of feel they'll be toward they could be towards the lower reaches based on on the form last year. They struggled with the Singapore upgrade last year to get that working properly into Lagos. They did hit it well, but the results around that really were not good. Alfa's sort of the team. I'm just less. I'm the least convinced about, not necessarily because I think they're not going to do a good job, not because I don't think there's potential, and not because I don't think that that if it all comes together they can they can do really well. It's just because I don't know. I don't know what to expect from them. I, I thought the way they hit the ground running at the start of last year would be the start of a really, really impressive run. I thought they would it might even be a McLaren Alpha Romeo Renault fight for fourth in the championship and then Alpha just gradually faded away and what was worse is that they didn't really seem to get on top of that. And they didn't really ever seem to fully understand why it had happened. Hopefully, that is knowledge that they attained in the second half of the year. Because if not, they will have a really difficult season. We know that the likes of Alpha Tauri, the other Alpha on the grid, um, that you know, with the Red Bull parts that they use, they, we know that they're going to have not only are they going to have a strong base with, with with all of those Red Bull components, but they've also got the freedom to then focus on other areas of the car, so they're going to be strong. This is the first proper racing point, so they're going to be strong. McLaren and Renault, I can't see slipping back, so they're going to be strong as well. You know, Haas needs to properly recover, so where, where's Alpha going to fit in? Is it going to be in that group that's fighting at the front for, for fourth, or are they going to slip back? Could we have sort of a, a Class B and a Class C, where Racing Point and McLaren and... Alpha Tauri and and Renault are in Class B, and are we going to have Alpha Romeo and and Haas and Williams as a Class C at the back end of the midfield? I don't really know, which is why when I get those first 
when I get those first proper images of the C39 next week, I need to see more than just a nice livery on the bodywork, if you know what I mean. They did also struggle a little bit last year, and this, this actually could be a positive for this year, with the aero performance of the tyres. Obviously, you get the wind tunnel tyres, the scale model tyres, the 60% tyres in their case at a certain point, and that does impact the way your aero works, because obviously the tyre deflects in certain ways, etc. And simulating that is quite difficult. That was an area Alpha struggled with a bit. And as the tyres are carried over this year, that should mean hopefully they've got on top of that. So that's one of the problems they had last year, should hopefully be, be knocked out. So let, let's hope that that's the case for them because we want as many competitive teams in this part of the grid as, as possible. Well, it's probably now a good time to hear from Gary Anderson. So we'll have a quick break and then we'll be back with his technical evaluation. Well, as ever, I'm joined by Gary Anderson to give his expert analysis of what we've seen of the new Alfa Romeo. Uh, Gary, the Alfa is the car we've seen probably the least detail of so far. Is that a bit frustrating for you, given it's difficult to pick out details? Yes, Alfa have been a bit secretive about their new car. I mean, obviously they've got it running, they've done some testing, it's, it's been some videos of it, so it is a, a running vehicle, it's a complete vehicle. Um, it looks quite neat and tidy, I like the uh, the snake skin, as they call it, um, it's quite different, to be honest. Um, details are really difficult to pick out, uh, there's a few little bits and pieces we can see. Um, the nose has got a sort of red bull opening in the front of it, and it's got a, a bib underneath the, the nose to help the middle part of the wing work a bit better and tidy up the airflow going underneath the chassis. Um, as far as the rest of it's concerned, you know, it's, it's very difficult unless you get some close-up shots. So we'll have to wait and see what happens in Barcelona. But there are some differences to last year's car, but it's not dramatic. So what have you actually learned from what we've seen? We can see the front wing concept appears to be the same. Yeah, they continued with their front wing concept. Um, I mean, it was probably the most dramatic uh, last year, I think you could call it. I didn't really like the detail of the outboard end because they had a separation in the in the flaps. So when you get something like that, you can ingest some transverse flow that you don't really want. I think the Ferrari solution where you know it was all one flap going um, out to that point was probably the more consistent. Um, but that's small detail stuff. Uh, from what we see on the car, it shows that they um, you know they they're still pursue, still pursuing that uh, that philosophy. So they must be able to get enough load on the front wing to balance the amount of downforce the car produces because that's that's all you're talking about the rear of the car produces x and you need y from the front to, to make the car balanced um maybe x is a bit lower than others so it's not so difficult to balance with y um if you increase the downforce from the rear of the car by some dramatic underflow change then maybe they need more front end so i think um we'll see developments in that area through the through the the summer the run up to the season um, the front wing has a bolt-on component, so I'm sure there'll be developments there. And the one thing that, that you can see on their cars, they were the they were the people that sort of created this what we call this S duct, a duct going through the nose, taking airflow from underneath the front of the car, uh, underneath the front of the nose to the top of the coming out in front of the chassis where the nose joins the chassis. Um, they're probably their duct is the biggest of the of, of them anybody in the pit lane, I would say. So they're obviously pursuing that theory, and that's to get more airflow into the centre of the car underneath. You can pull it round the nose with that duct. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what their developments are like. You also picked out some interesting differences on the packaging of the side pods. On packaging, yes. Um, you know, the packaging, these, these cars need a lot of cooling. And we've seen different solutions to that. The Ferrari with its small triangular intake above the driver's helmet, basically for um, just the, the turbo intake. 
and they're cooling all the rest of their stuff for the side pod intakes. Um, whereas if you look at the, the Alpha Romeo on the on the side pods, the inlets are much bigger than the uh, than on the Ferrari. And on the rollover bar, they've got a secondary inlet behind their triangular section, which again would be taking some airflow into the to cool some some components. It may be the hydraulics, it may be the battery pack. Um, it basically it could be anything, but it, you distribute those bits all around the car in there. So I'm surprised that with Alpha having more intakes up around the rollover bar, they don't have a smaller radiator intake because. The radiator intake is, is is quite big relative to others, so um, maybe they're just being being you know playing safe really, making sure the car cools properly. But you can pay a big price for that in, in overall downforce. So maybe an area where they're neglecting a little bit. It's fair to say, Alfa Romeo frustrated you a little last year. You've been moderately critical of them. It's probably fair to say. Team boss Fred Vasseur says it's still a young team as it's rebuilding from the underinvestment during the post BMW years. So can we cut them a bit of slack? Alfa Romeo, I mean, it's a little bit frustrating. Um, I always, I always, you know, sort of relate to names. I worked closely with Alfa Romeo for quite a few years um, with the Brabham Formula One project when we used Alfa Romeo engines then. And when I moved on to start my own company, Anson, I actually did a lot of work for Alfa Romeo. We built a carbon fibre chassis for them, for example, built their first carbon fibre chassis. We built a lot of suspension components. Um, we did the slide and skirt system for them. So, you know, the Alpha name sort of rings true in my heritage of uh, of relating to Formula 1 teams. Um, but I think they'll be frustrated a little bit as well. Uh, they keep talking about it being a young team. Uh, I don't really understand that. It's been around for a long time. It was Sauber, it became BMW, it went back to Sauber. And yes, they've had budgetary problems, but all that stuff goes on. But they've got a very good facility. Kimi Räikkönen, we know, can win Grand Prix. We know he's quick. Um when in the Ferrari with Vettel, he was on on occasions right up there. So you can't doubt his true speed. So they just need to give him the tools. And um, you can use the "we're building the company back up again" uh, philosophy for a long time, but it doesn't it doesn't work forever. Renault have been using it for probably far too long, and um, now to see the Alfa Romeo Sauber doing the same thing is it's a bit disappointing. The team talked last year about struggling to understand the Singapore Grand Prix aero package, which was brought in in one hit because they weren't able to phase in the parts for various production and logistical reasons. What's it like when that happens and what does it tell us about the team? The team, it took a big big update to Singapore last year and um, it didn't really work. It was too much to understand too quickly. Um, so why did that happen, I suppose, is the question. There's only one reason you you develop these cars because you recognize your deficit you go to the wind tunnel and you try to improve that part of the aerodynamic package um, and you use your simulation tools to simulate those changes to see whether it should make your car faster or slower now they didn't have a car that, that they didn't think would perform at the beginning of the season and they thought their uh, update kit would make the car perform better but they didn't get the best out of it so it just shows to me that really their simulation tools isn't correlating with the car performance on the track and their development direction isn't correlating with the problems that the car has on the track. And you need to get all that to work together to point you in one direction. And if you can do that, then you're, you're, you're off and running. You have to make sure that what you're fixing is the problem and not just making the problem bigger by changing parts. So they need to look deeply at how they sign off new parts before they can really make sure they work on the track and that's the same with a new car 
you know, you can't rely on luck all the time. Luck will get you there sometimes, um, and your new car will work well. But if you don't know why, how do you make it better? That's the problem. So come on, what's your provisional verdict on Alfa Romeo? have to say provisional because you won't be happy until you've seen the car properly and probably had an extensive poke around it if you can get close to it when we're at testing next week. My verdict on the team, it's, uh, it's difficult to do. You know, I think where they are now with the relationship with Ferrari, they should be fighting for fourth in the championship. There's three teams out there really have, that have a vision on, on winning the championship, Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull. And the rest, basically, should be fighting for fourth in the championship. I think that the Alfa Romeo Sauber is quite capable of that, but they just need to look at where the problems are and try and fix it. They're as capable as as, as Haas or Racing Point or any of the others. Um, so, in reality, they should be setting that as their goal. And if they don't, don't achieve um, knocking on door of that, I mean, you can still end up eighth in the championship because you've done your job just as well. It's just the other guys have been a little bit better. But they sh- their goal should be fourth in the championship. And any less than that will be because somebody else has just locked in and done a bit better than you. Um, so, yeah, um, I would hope to see them take that philosophy. And I'd hope to see Kimi maybe knocking on the podium a couple of times during the season. Well, great stuff there from Gary as always. But Scott Mitchell, coming back to you. One thing that, that did change from 18 to 19 is obviously in 2018, how Alpha had Charles Leclerc, who had a stellar season, really came on strongly. They changed for, for last year. They had Kimi Raikkonen, who's a, you know, he's a really well-rounded performer. He had great technical input of the team. They spoke very, very highly of that. His feedback's always been extremely good, extremely precise with whoever he's been with. But you do wonder whether the, the perhaps not quite having the peaks that, say, Leclerc had across their driver lineup held them back a bit last year, especially when you consider that Antonio Giovinazzi took a while to get back into the, the swing of full-time racing. And at times I found him a bit frustrating because he used to throw in what I, I like to call little stealth mistakes in races that you wouldn't necessarily pick up. Then you'd see there'd be some time missing and you'd find a little, little off that wasn't quite worth talking about too much. And even though he's at heart of a, a, a good driver. So I do wonder whether the, the driver lineup they've got is perhaps not ideal for that, that part of the, of the grid where it's so congested. Well, it's, it's, it's probably their weakest point in relation to their competitors, isn't it? If you, you're talking about that ultra-competitive fight for fourth in the championship, and let's quickly run through those teams and where Alpha stacks up, because with, with, with Raikkonen, I just feel you've got someone who's just going to be consistently decent, but I don't think there's a... I don't really remember the last sort of standout mega drive. I, I don't see going to be those those sparks. Those yeah, just cut across you. The classic example of that was Interlagos, where he was behind Carlos Sainz at the end, and Sainz was on 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 Nakataz. He almost got past, but he couldn't quite get past. And you feel like a slightly more thrusting driver might just have made that move. So yeah, you're you're quite right. Yeah, absolutely. And Giovinazzi, as you said, quite frustrating, and he's got those mistakes in him. They're just sort of. I feel like if when that car's mega. And when that car is maybe the, the class of the field, there's every chance that they'll be seventh and eighth, and they'll get some good points for the team. But if I look at McLaren, I just I fa- I, you know I fancy Signs and Norris over Raikkonen and Giovinazzi, um, Renault obviously Ricardo and Anocon. So we've got two two properly motivated and special talents there. Even even Haas in Magnussen and Grosjean, you've got two drivers there that are capable of being so so quick. So and we know because of what happened within in 2018, we know that they can convert. Um, Alpha Tauri is going to be the same because Gasly in particular is one of those drivers who who can just pull something out of nothing, and, and Kvyat's good as well. Um, and if Williams, if what if Williams are in the mix, you know, George Russell, I, I think George Russell's a more highly rated guy than 
than, than Giovinazzi and racing points, Sergio Perez is arguably the best driver in F1's midfield. So I think I've gone through everyone there. And it, I, my point is, is that it's not that I don't think they're capable of, of doing good things. I just think in a straight fight, if everything's equal or if they need a little bit of magic from their drivers to, to pull a rabbit out of a hat, I think that's where Alpha come up a little bit short. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And sometimes you do need that to happen. I think, yeah, Raikkonen, a lot of respect for, for what he's done, but he is uh, he's a driver sort of right towards the end of his Formula One career. And he's, uh, yeah, a, a good dependable performer, will execute good races uh, given the right car. And Giovinazzi, too, only four points finishes last year. I think the raw material's there, but we need to see him deliver on that a little bit more often. So that's an interesting question for them. The big thing that will help Raikkonen and Giovinazzi is if the C39 is the sort of car that that is well balanced and consistent straight out the blocks we know what Raikkonen is as a driver and he will if that car's capable of scoring points he will score points and Giovinazzi getting that momentum back going into the start of the year the the feeling inside the team was that Giovinazzi did turn a corner in the final third of last season but that was when the team was arguably its weakest so his better performances didn't quite reflect in terms of his points and I'm not going to make excuses for him he should have scored a lot more points early on but with that extra bit of momentum that sort of extra confidence and ability to convert those chances I feel like if he'd had those races at the start of the year again at the end of the season I think he would have got much better results from them so that's what they need they need to start 2020 with the C39 in a good place so they give their bet their, their drivers the best possible opportunity to hit the ground running. No, I'd completely agree with that. And actually, if you look at the qualifying comparison, Raikkonen and Giovinazzi on average were very, very similar last year. But I think in five of the last seven races, Giovinazzi was was ahead. So I think there's pace there, and there's something, there's definitely something to be unlocked there, which I hope we see. Because you know he's he's a he's a, a good guy, a driver who's really worked hard to get to where he's he's got to. He hasn't always had well, he's not one of these drivers who's had infinite backing over the years. So he's always had to take the next step based on on what he's done. So yeah, let's let's hope he can do that. Uh, well, thanks very much, Scott Mitchell, for that overview of Alfa Romeo. Uh, we're going to carry on with getting ready to head out for testing. We've had a flurry of launches. Testing, of course, starts on Wednesday, and there'll be plenty of podcasts coming from there telling you about everything that's been going on. Gary Anderson will be out there, myself and Scott will be there, and, of course, Mark Hughes will be out there for us as well. So plenty more podcasting to come in the coming week. 